pleasure to be here tonight. A uh, little bit background on me. I have been a pastor for many years. Thought I was retired and uh, moved down here to Texas two years ago following my two of my kids who moved to Granbury. That's, that's not a good, that's not a wise thing to do. I wasn't here a year and a half and the one moved 55 miles away and then the other one moved down by Glen Rose and and uh, anyway, I began attending, I, I, I attended many churches, uh, just trying to find out my niche, where I belonged, and uh, I, I landed for a while at a church called Five Crowns on the other end of town. And when they found out that I had been a pastor, I was invited to participate in the ministry there as an associate pastor. And uh, that ministry, unfortunately, went through changes earlier this year and dissolved. And uh, the, the people, the congregants that were there went in different directions. And some of them, one of them is here tonight, Susie Costin. She said, will you be our pastor? And I, I said, Lord, I, I thought I was all done with this. But uh, so I started... Uh, I started leading this little group of sheep, and uh, I, it has a big name, <laughs> Hidden Springs Global Ministries, but I have done uh, a number of trips to Africa, uh, Kenya mainly, and Uganda and Tanzania, where I've uh, been involved in pastor's conferences. And um, so I, I thought, well, I will give it the name Global Ministries because it may become I may be doing something globally, and um, I also thought it might be easier to get that name than just Hidden Springs Ministries. I thought there may be other people with that name. But we uh, rent space from Brazos Covenant uh, over on Acton Road, and we meet on Sunday nights, and y'all are invited. I don't think that'll compete with anybody's Sunday morning affiliation. And uh, I actually attend here on Sunday mornings. Uh, Pastor Lada, uh, both pastors, Yvette and Alan, are my pastors on Sunday morning. And so it's my pleasure to be here tonight. I do want to share a word that uh, is a Thanksgiving word. And I'm glad I sent my text over to Pastor Alan uh, earlier because uh, this morning he went over all of my verses in his <laughs> message. <laughs> so uh, I definitely am not plagiarizing him, but I'm not sure he didn't plagiarize me. <laughs> so anyway, I, wanna <clears throat> I want to begin by just briefly stating that um, our uh, forefathers... Thanksgiving began, as most of you know, a long time ago. There were 120 pilgrims that left England in 1620. And they were seeking religious freedom. And they were seeking a, a new place to live. And uh, they landed at what's now called Plymouth, Massachusetts, in December of 1620 which uh, they, they may not have known what the Northeast is like in December. Uh, I come from that country where we get a lot of snow, that North country. And uh, the first winter, there were two people dying each week. 
in their group. And uh, during uh, the course of that year, over half of them died. There were only uh, 52 that survived that winter. Most every family lost a family member during that winter. And uh, the man that was leading the group, uh, his name was Edward Winslow. And Edward lost his own wife. She was 27 years old, and he buried her in Massachusetts. I tell you all that because despite all of these tragedies that took place, and I can't think of anything more tragic than losing a family member. And, uh, but they, in spite of all these tragedies, uh, that following autumn, they celebrated the first Thanksgiving. Mm. And so that was the autumn of uh, 1621. That was their gratitude for what they still had. They lost a lot, but they were thankful for what they still had. And uh, over the years, I have, uh, I have noted, particularly in my trips to Africa and other nations, that the poorer the people are, the more they appreciate what they do have. And uh, the, the more wealthy people are, the more they take for granted what they have. And so these people lost a lot, these early settlers, but they were thankful for what they still had. The opposite, of course, of gratitude, and, and the title for my message, I did plagiarize a little bit. Pastor Allen has had a series going on honoring God, and he's talked about honoring suffering and honoring great perception last week, and this week it was honoring our, our giving thanks to God. Well, my message is honoring gratitude, okay? And I will use the term gratitude interchangeably with thanksgiving. They're very similar, and so I'll be using them back and forth. But we see that the opposite of gratitude, of course, is ingratitude. And that's brought out uh, the classic passage that Pastor Allen actually used this morning is found in Luke chapter 17. And I am going to read from the New American Standard Bible, uh, starting in verse 11. It says, while he, Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell, fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Mm -hmm. And so it's a classic uh, example of ingratitude. Now, the, the, nine, the other nine may have been thankful that they were healed, but they did not return and give thanks. And the one did. And Jesus marveled at the ingratitude of those that did not return. 
We see how Israel, if you study the Old Testament, how that God had delivered them from Egypt after being slaves for 400 years. And uh, God says in, in, in Exodus that he heard their cry. He heard their cry because of their labors. And so he did awesome miracles to deliver them from their captivity. You know about the 10 plagues and then the parting of the Red Sea. God did amazing things to deliver them. And yet, every time, every time they hit a bump in the road, they began to complain, they began to murmur, they began to uh, accuse Moses, they began to uh, gripe, you name it. They began to show ingratitude for all that had been done for them. And it got to a point where God had had enough. After many years, he had had enough. And he said to them in Numbers chapter 14, verse 29, Israel had grumbled against God and he told them, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Even all of your numbered men, according to your complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me? Who have grumbled against me? So the cost of their grumbling and unbelief was that they were not able to enter the promised land. You see, whenever, whenever we grumble, and I have been guilty of more than my share of grumbling, but who's, who's in control? God, don't, wouldn't we all agree that God is in control? And so when we begin to grumble and gripe and complain and murmur, that is really going directly against what God has provided for us. His supervision and His control. We are griping and grumbling against Him. And so we, Paul told uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 and 2 that ungratefulness was going to mark the last days. Wow. And we read, it says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, <clears throat> lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, and the list goes on. But I want to draw attention to the word ungrateful. That is a mark of the last days. We are living in the last days. They really began with the incarnation of Jesus. Some would say the ascension. But they began at that time. But we are at the last of the last days. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And so we are seeing uh, in our day, we are seeing ungratefulness displayed continuously. We live in a culture of entitlement. Many voices on TV, many voices on social media, uh, on the news, many voices tell us we deserve more and we deserve better than what we are getting. And people have, even Christians have bought into the idea that we, we deserve more. We, deserve, we're, we have not been given all that we deserve. We, we are entitled to more. And that is an entitlement culture that is 
diametrically opposed to, to God's uh, provision for us. He has provided all things that pertain to life and to godliness for us. Everything that we need, he has provided. And so, when people get what they want, they're very friendly and they're very happy. I have been amazed as a pastor when people do not get what they want in the church, and I'm talking about Christian people, people that name the name of Jesus, I have been amazed at the grumbling and the complaining and the griping. I know you've never gone through that never. with Pastor Allen and Yvette, but yes, it, it is amazing to me. I mean, it gets ugly. It can get real ugly. And... Um, I have to admit that even as I prepared for this message, I had to say, Lord, I have gotten ugly when I haven't gotten my way, when things haven't gone the way that I expected them to go. I have also been bitter and angry and complained. Uh, many times my default when things aren't going well is to begin to grumble, and I've had to repent of that. Amen? I've had to repent of it. So, you know, I moved here from up north where people aren't as friendly, and I heard Texans are friendly people down here. And so I moved down here, and I'm in a, a little subdivision off of 144. And uh, with the road construction and with all the traffic on 144 and uh, 377, there were many times where I would stop and let someone cut into my lane or make a left turn out of their lane into Brookshire's or something like that, someplace like that, or McDonald's. I never go there because it's so hard to get in and out of there. But only about one in three or four will wave to you that they're thankful for you allowing them the opportunity to cut into your lane or cut in front of you. I have been amazed. I really have. I thought people in the South would be more uh, appreciative and more grateful <laughs> for, uh, you know, the service rendered. But they're, they're just like up in Michigan. So everywhere you go, human nature is kind of the same. It doesn't change that much from one realm to another. I'd like to talk about how to approach God. And I'm going to read from Psalm 100. In fact, we're going to read the whole Psalm 100. It says in verse 1, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Then verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. So our approach to God needs to be through those gates of thanksgiving. You know, the gates of thanksgiving come before the courts of praise. Amen. And so many times, uh, when I was a pastor, we would have our praise and worship. That would be first. 
And then we would move into the message or whatever followed. But we never had a time where we just had thanksgiving before we entered into the praise and worship. And yet, that is the instruction, is we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Then we enter his courts with praise. Amen? Amen. And so, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do uh, after making my coffee is I sit in my prayer chair and I begin to thank the Lord for everything that's going right in my life. I thank him for my home. I thank him, I thank him for my possessions. I thank him for uh, my family. I thank Father God for Jesus. Every day, I thank Father God for Jesus. I thank him for the Holy Spirit, who is my teacher and my comforter. And I, I, I even thank him for the holy angels because in Hebrews 1, it says that they are messengers to, those, to the heirs of salvation, that they are the ones that many times you have probably been saved from uh, an accident or a catastrophe by an angel. And it says we would entertain them unawares. I think that there are many times they have inserted their influence in our lives and we're unaware of it. So I thank God for his angels. I say, Father God, I thank you for those angels. I, before I begin to make my requests, Yvette, I begin to just thank the Lord for everything. Some days, some days it goes on and on. And so I, I want to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Amen. It is wonderful that we have a day a year that commemorates Thanksgiving. But I believe the burden of my heart for you all and, and, and for everyone that I shepherd is that we would have a posture of Thanksgiving. It wouldn't be a one day a year situation. It, when, when every pastor in the county is drawing attention to being thankful. No, it would be a, an everyday event in our lives that we would have a posture of thanksgiving. That has been my prayer. Lord, help me to have a posture of being thankful. Even when I hit the bumps in the road, I want to be thankful. Amen? And bumps Amen. do come. I'm aware of that. And so, Brandon Lake sings a song, Goodness of God. And in that song, his lyrics, part of his lyrics say, From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And I thought that is to be the posture that we live in, is from the moment we wake up till the moment we lay our head down at night, we need to, we need to be thankful for all the benefits that God has brought into our life. And Psalm 103 really brings this out also. And, uh, excuse me, I am getting dry here. And uh, after Alan moved my stool, I was going to put my, uh, my water on. <laughs> as soon as I saw him move that, I thought, i got to move that back. I need a place to go up. So Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Skipping up to verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, he is mindful that we are but dust. That is quite a list. I bet you Pastor Allen could preach for a whole month on just Psalm 103. And uh, there is so much there, but God has provided everything for us. He is a father to us. He has forgiven our sins. How far is the east from the west? You can't even measure it. Because no matter how far east you go, west is further. And uh, the same is true with, with the East. And so God has removed our sins. He has forgiven us. He has had compassion on us. And so many times I've reminded him of verse 14 when I didn't know how I could go forward. I said, God, you know my frame. You're mindful that I am but dust. You're mindful that I'm but dust. And he is. He's mindful of what we can and cannot do. We have much to be thankful for. You know, <clears throat> I have gone through some very difficult times, uh, particularly in the last few years. I was telling Joan a little of my story. My wife of 35 years told me that she wanted a divorce uh, in 2018, September of 2018. And uh, I was a businessman as well as a pastor. I was bivocational. And um, I owned a, an excavating and grading uh, business in Michigan that had done very well. And I had about 50 pieces of equipment and trucks and 32 employees. And I had a vacation home and I had a small yacht. And I had uh, many, many uh, tangible blessings that God had given to me. Almost all of them have been lost. As a, as a result of the Great Recession, I, in, in Michigan, it hit us very hard in 2008, and uh, I, I narrowly escaped bankruptcy. I uh, had to sell my homes. I had to sell other possessions. And uh, I now have lost my wife through divorce. And uh, so there have been numerous bumps in my road. But when I get up in the morning, if I've only gotten two or three hours sleep, and sometimes that happens, I've learned to thank the Lord for the two or three hours sleep that I got. Yeah. 
Instead of complaining about what I didn't get, I thank God for what He gave me. Amen. I thank Him. And uh, I, I, there, are, there are so many different things that God has done for us. If you've had a car accident, and I've had a couple, I've learned to thank God for all the times He protected me from car accidents and protected me from serious injury. And so it, the list goes on. I have at times had illnesses, and when I, I, I really got hit with COVID-19 very hard at the very beginning, when it first occurred back in early, in March of 2020, uh, I thought I was gonna die. My brother was in ICU with COVID, and he's a doctor. And um, my sister, unfortunately, died from COVID on Labor Day uh, two years ago. And so it hit me very hard. But you know, as I lay there, I, I just began to thank the Lord for all the years of health that he's given to me. I, I didn't complain about it. I've learned to be thankful for what I do have. Like the, like the people I talked about in Africa who don't have very much, but they're very thankful for what they do have. I have learned to be thankful for what's still going right. I'm thankful for uh, the fact that I, I have a nice, warm home to live in. I have uh, all of my needs met according to uh, Christ's riches and glory. It says in Philippians 4.19, and so I begin to focus on what I do have, and I'm a thankful man. Amen. There's those that have battled illnesses, and uh, I would encourage them to thank the Lord for all the years that they've had health and all the times that God has healed them. And so the list goes on. I, I'm talking about a posture of thanksgiving. I'm talking about taking every situation and looking for a way to be thankful in that situation. And there is a way to be thankful. And when you are thankful and when you express that to God, you are entering his gates with thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. And so we see that uh, there, are <clears throat> there are many benefits to thanksgiving. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 36, the first thing Jesus did when he fed the 4,000 was he broke the bread, the loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks. And you'll see that with uh, over and over with the 5,000, with uh, different situations. Jesus would begin because he knew, he knew that was the will of God, was that he give thanks. And so... Uh, in each situation that we're in, we need to first think about how we can thank God in some way in that situation. Amen? Amen? Amen. And uh, I think that uh, thanksgiving precedes miracles. It precedes miracles. It did with the 4,000 and the 5,000. It did uh, with the Apostle Paul. You brought that out this morning when he was... Uh, on, on the way to Rome and there was the bad storm at sea and they weren't eating for 14 days and then he gave thanks and encouraged the men to begin to eat. He says, not a soul is going to be lost. God has promised me. 
And so we need to see the power of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving brings peace. It brings peace. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, very familiar verses. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. We don't just pray, and, and many times I've done that, I just pray and I don't even think about being thankful. But we have to couple thanksgiving with our prayers and our supplications, amen? If we want the peace that passes understanding that's promised in those verses, then we need to couple thanksgiving with our prayers. And then God will give us a peace that passes understanding, passes our comprehension, all comprehension, and will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving also brings God's presence. It brings God's presence. He's attracted. He's attracted to humility. There's things God is attracted to. There's things he can't seem to resist. And humility, he gives grace to the humble, but he's opposed to the proud. Well, he also, he, he is drawn to thanksgiving. If you had ever done something and somebody wants to come and thank you, that... <laughs> That's something that draws you. I mean, it draws you to that person. And the opposite is true. If somebody does something, if you do something for somebody and there is no thanksgiving, years ago there was a man in our church who never tithed, but that we had some missionaries come in and they needed a well in Alaska, which had to be a very deep well and cost uh, a considerable amount of money. And this man was a businessman. And he decided to give towards that well. And so he did. And the well was put down. And the missionaries never thanked him. They never sent him a word of thanks. And that man never gave again. It was a one and done situation. He was not. Unfortunately, he didn't understand, Pastor Allen, that when you give, you, you give it to God. <laughs> you give it to God. You don't give it to a person or... You, you give it to God. And so uh, if the person doesn't thank you, you'll get your blessing from the Lord. Amen? Amen? But nonetheless, when you do something for somebody and they don't thank you, there's, there's no appreciation. There's ingratitude for what they've done. You're disinclined to continue to give to them. You just don't have the desire to continue to do that. But conversely, if they will say thank you or show some appreciation then you're inclined, to, you're inclined to do more. My, my younger son, he just thanked me for everything. I have two sons, and my younger one, I don't care what I did for that kid, he was always thanking me. And it made me want to do more for him. I enjoyed, I enjoyed hearing, hey, thanks, Dad, I appreciate that. And so uh, from the time he was a little boy, he was so thankful. It was like a gift that he had. And so Thanksgiving... It, it, it brings miracles, it brings peace, and it brings God's presence. In Psalm 95, 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Gratitude shows respect for the giver. And uh, we, <clears throat> we want to, um, we want to make sure that God 
knows that we appreciate everything that he's doing for us. Amen. 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 My daughter had a, uh, it's, it's a picture really in her house. And uh, when I went to visit her, I was captured by the words, simple words on this picture concerning gratitude. If we can put that up on the screen right now. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Okay? And so, we may not have much, but God is, he does provide for us. And there's been times where I thought, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Or I don't, don't know how I'm going to do whatever. But when you have gratitude, it turns what we have into enough, what we do have. You remember when, when, they, when they were going to feed the 5,000 and, and Jesus told the disciples, he said, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, where are we going to get something and so they brought him, they, they brought him the, the five loaves and the two fish. Those five loaves and two fish, as Jesus showed gratitude to God, it became enough to feed the 5,000 people. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Well, that's my message tonight. And so I want you to think about having and maintaining a posture of thanksgiving. Not a once-a-year deal, but a daily, uh, like song that daily, as we, as we uh, wake up in the morning, till we lay our head down, that we are grateful for the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen.